So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. Welcome to Smashing Security. This is the Queen. No, That's what we think of being the Queen's English. Hey, hey, buddy. You're not in the Commonwealth <laughs> anymore, so you don't have the right to slag her off. All right? I see. All right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, slag off Brenda. Smashing Security, Episode 66, Passwords, Pirates, and Postcards, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Smashing Security, Episode 66. My name is Graham Cluley. Route 66, I'm Carol Terrio. Clickety-click, and <laughs> we are joined today by the CyberWire's Dave Bittner. Hello, Dave. Hello, all. Happy to be here. Oh, um, great. Now, for those people who don't know what the CyberWire is, first of all, shame on them. <laughs> um, but we're, we're actually committing a little bit of podcast today, aren't we? Because yes. the CyberWire is, amongst other things, uh, an info security podcast, right? That's right. And I've been fortunate enough to have you on our show. Oh, loving. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, thanks for the invite. I love uh, the invite. <laughs> Well, Carol. <laughs> Uh, yes, it's David. an open invitation. Anytime you'd like to be on, you're, you're welcome. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you very much. Because you, your show is, is basically daily, isn't it? The daily is about 20 minutes of everything you need to know in cybersecurity for that day, plus special guests and, and so on and so forth. It's uh, I don't know how you do it. Honestly, there are days that I wonder how we do it as well. We have a small. I bet you do. We have a small team here. There's about uh, half a dozen of us. So um, forget about the editing. The question I have is, do you have a life? <laughs> I mean, serious. No, no, I don't mean that in an insulting way. But I mean, it it's difficult, isn't it? Producing. I mean, we find it a bit of a struggle getting the podcast out once a week. Mm. But well, if, if you're people doing knew it, what you really said, Graham, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. But it's difficult, isn't it? Don't you it ever is. go on holiday? Well, funny you should bring that up. No. Being a small team, and we are still very much in startup yep. mode, so we have a shallow bench. And so vacations are, you grab them when you can. For example, yesterday was President's Day. Yes. Where we celebrated almost all of our presidents here in the United States. President, president excluded. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> 
<laughs> I saw that on Reddit. A lot of people said yes, that. Yes, Celebrating. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of minutes so, in and we got political. I know, I know, I know. See, I can do that on your show. I can't do it on mine. So, <laughs> go, go nuts, go nuts. <laughs> right, exactly. But uh, so when you have the opportunity for a day off, you do that. And so I, yeah. I actually was reintroduced to my family. We went and saw a movie <laughs> and uh, it was nice. We all hugged each other and had, had a meal together. It was, it was lovely. Oh, fantastic. Lovely. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> with all those shows uh, you're having to produce each week, I'm not surprised that you are even prepared to have Carole on a future <laughs> episode. So, Carole, I would grab that opportunity while you can. Um, I, th- I think maybe we should uh, we we should just go for a break. This would be a good time, wouldn't it? Yeah, you better quick, quick, quick. Yeah, yeah we'll can be right back after this. Thanks to Meta Compliance for supporting this episode of Smashing Security. People are the key to minimizing your cybersecurity risk posture, and Meta Compliance makes this easier by providing a single platform for phishing, cybersecurity training, policy, privacy, and incident management. Listeners can get a 10% discount off the high quality cybersecurity e learning catalog by quoting the code SMASHING. Just visit www.metacompliance.com. That's www.metacompliance.com. Rapid7 is sponsoring Smash and Security. Rapid7's Insight IDR has been named a visionary in Gartner's latest Sim Magic Quadrant. It is an intruder analytics solution that gives you the confidence to detect and investigate security incidents faster. You can download a 30-day trial by visiting rapid7.com forward slash Insight IDR. And welcome back. And as always, uh, Smashing Security, we look back over the last seven days of computer security news and see what tickles our fancy in the funny stories of how computers have gone wrong or how cybercrime has gone crazy, which we will bring to your attention. And I saw a little story which was kind of interesting. On Reddit, there is a user called Cranky Recursion, which in <laughs> itself is rather marvellous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a beautiful name. <laughs> and last, last Sunday, Cranky Recursion. So he's obviously one of these fans of flight simulators, and he was installing a piece of software, which was an A320 flight simulator software program All right. onto his okay. computer. And mm-hmm. he spotted an unexpected program in the package which he was installing. Its name was test.exe. Oh, Uh-oh. Could be, could be anything, couldn't it? Test.exe. <laughs> no, it could be anything. Uh, what, what could go wrong? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Well, Did he just click it? Well, well I would, wouldn't you? It says test. <laughs> Throw caution to the wind. Let's go. Well, this particular test.exe was a tool for dumping out passwords that users had stored in their Chrome browser. Ooh. Uh. <laughs> Sounds a bit of a worry, doesn't it? Especially when you note that Flight Sim Labs, who are the developers of this particular program, specifically ask you, they say, we'd be very grateful if you turned off your antivirus. Shut the front door. <laughs> before you install They do not. It. They do. And this is something, of course, we used to see years and years ago. And some games still do say this. Um, but yes, they <laughs> well, tell you to turn off your antivirus. I don't Jobs know about <laughs> you. Yeah, but anytime <laughs> a stranger asks me to turn off my antivirus, I just go ahead and do it. <laughs> yeah, why not? I, yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a Colombo moment, isn't it? It's, it's like perfectly hmm. good sense to me. <laughs> So, this program, which isn't detected by your antivirus because you've you've uninstalled it or you've mm. turned it off, it leads us to some interesting questions. Had Flight Sim Labs been hacked? Had the bad guys tampered with the download in order to steal Flyers' passwords? In fact, let, let's do this in the style of Hong Kong Fooey, uh, if you remember that <laughs> 70s cartoon. Number one super guy. Who is the super villain? Sarge? <laughs> no. Rosemary, the web server operator? <laughs> no. 
Flight Sim Labs, the mild mannered purveyors of the software? Could be. <laughs> so yeah, this, this is, this is the case. It was actually the software developers themselves who had shipped their flight simulator. Holy moly. I'm sure there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for why they did this. <laughs> well, they, they explained it. The idea was to unmask people who were pirating their flight simulator software. Now you know why they asked you to turn off your antivirus, don't you? <laughs> uh, you see, this software is selling for around about $140. Okay. And yep. they, what they noticed was lots of scumbags online were, were ripping them off. because So they, they had more pirating. users than they had uh, money. Absolutely. And <laughs> people were pirating and copying the serial numbers because people don't like to pay $140 yeah. to fly an A320. Huh. What Flight Sim Labs do is when they think they've identified a pirate, they try to gather as much information about the pirate as possible, including all of their passwords. And <laughs> Seems perfectly reasonable to me. Seems like a proportional response. <laughs> well, Jeez. the chief of the company, a guy called Lefteris, it's a wonderful name, isn't it? I wonder if he's a Lefteris. Siamese twin or something. Lefteris Calamaras uh, admitted that some people might consider his behaviour a little bit heavy-handed yeah i'm in that group i'm in that group yep what do you think carol because everyone on the internet was absolutely fine with it reddit were perfectly happy (laughs) yeah with his explanation no one complained i stand alone yeah no one complained about this whatsoever well of course people did complain software developer luke gorman called it a violation of software ethics and more than likely illegal and there were a series of posts put up on the Flight Sim Labs website where they tried to explain what they were doing. And they said, well, we're, we're in ongoing legal battles against these criminals who are pirating our software. We only use it against people who we've identified haven't paid the software. And of course, regular paying users were like, you've planted, even if you're not in planning to run it on our computer, you've planted it on our computer. Yeah, so everyone who downloads it has a copy of the potential... Yeah. Um, whatever time bomb yeah taking time bomb exactly good you know they could activate at any point maybe they could click on it or indeed their antivirus may trigger on it and you may go locks of mercy i've got malware on my computer Mm -hmm. uh, and thus panic as a result so so it's kind of like they want to handle a real problem and they may have done it in not the best way (laughs) is that what we're kind of saying yeah yeah yeah. well they're kind of being upfront about it you know it kind of shows that maybe they didn't really consider it when you say up front it's more down back isn't okay, it yeah it's, yeah, it's more down back okay. in retrospect okay. was that wrong should we not have done that <laughs> it's not so much after the horse has bolted but after the horse has been turned into glue so what know, are they doing to fix this what are they doing to fix this well they've now replaced the installer and they say they humbly apologize and i'm sure well, that is going to make everyone feel happy dealing with them in all's the well that ends well right <laughs> A hey, good okay. story to begin. But <laughs> hey, other software vendors out there, of course you don't like people pirating your stuff, but don't install malicious code. Don't breach, frankly, uh, computer crime laws by running code yeah. if they are a criminal, because it, it's and, not uh, something that's going to end well. I say thank you for the sorry. There are so few corporations out there who do, you know, mistakes that we have to pay the price for that do not say sorry. So, true. you know, I'll give a hat tip for the apology. All right. Okay, well, you're so kind, aren't you, Carol? What's got over you Canadian. this week? Canadian, of course I'm kind. I'm always kind. What's happened? Something <laughs> strange. You are outrageous. Uh, Dave, what's your story this week? Well, before I dig into that, I have a question for you. Oh, yes. So I was okay. listening to a recent episode 
where Carol and Maria were razzing you about your ability to do accents from around the world. His (laughs) inability. So I was wondering, can you do an American accent? (laughs) Well, there are so many, aren't there? Well, but you know what? That, That brings up a good point. I wanted to know... Your natural style of speaking, <laughs> what would you call that? Like for, here in the United States, you could say, oh, you have a Southern accent, you have a New England accent, you have a Mid-Atlantic accent. Oh. How would you describe your accent, your British accent? Well, my yes. accent, my English accent is really what we call the Queen's English. This is the <laughs> A1 top tier really? received pronunciation, <laughs> BBC and I think most people would think that is a lovely home county. So I live in Oxford, and I think really? that is represented. Really. Yes, I know That's it's surprising. Queen's English. It's, because I would think this is the Queen's English. Hello. <laughs> not, Hello. Not so much. Now, Welcome now, to Smashing Security. This is the Queen. Now, That's what we think of being the Queen's English. <laughs> hey, hey, buddy. You're not in the Commonwealth anymore, so you don't have the right to slag her off. All right? I see. All right. Okay. Yeah, Can't slag off Brenda. Anyway, th- when it comes to an American accent, I think I, I, I think we had a commercial in this country. <laughs> it was selling insurance, and it, it was done through the character of a mouse who was driving oh a car my God. called the E. Shaw Mouse, and he's like, "Hey, hey, Grawl, hey, do you want to buy some insurance?" That's kind of what we think of That's when we think. Good. Of okay, uh, not we, not we, not we, you. Okay, unless you're uh, talking well, about you and the it, plural. It is we when you speak the royal English. Anyway, <laughs> um, see, the problem we have is that when we try to do your accent, we all end up sounding like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. Yes, that wasn't happening. <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> if we're lucky, right. <laughs> right, Mary Poppins. Ew, so got, it's a great time today, right, Mary Poppins? Yeah. I ain't no yeah, use. So. Yep. <laughs> I, th- I think, Dave, you're enjoying not being on the cyber wire, aren't you? I really, I really, really am. Or he doesn't have a story. <laughs> uh, you got me. Yeah. Maybe when I go on vacation, you can fill in for me, Graham. What do you oh, think? Oh, yes. We'll, we'll upset your sponsors. <laughs> it would be an upgrade. Yeah, it would be totally. Right. Now then, look, you're, you're too anarchic. <laughs> so we're going to pull you back now. All right. Dave, what's your story for us this week? My story is from ZDNet. Z. The, uh, the article is called... Yes. <clears throat> Are we going to get into the whole privacy privacy thing, <laughs> or, or or how you all mispronounce aluminum? Ooh, oh, <laughs> corkscrew through the heart. Okay, you go ahead. Lawsuits threaten infosec research just when we need it most. So this story is about the chilling effect of white hat researchers being sued when they discover and are trying to point out flaws in people's software. Hmm. And it's happened time and time again where someone uh, finds a flaw doing what they think is the right thing. Right. They notify the people who have the software. And rather than saying thank you for pointing this out, they respond guns ablaze with their legal team and say, we're going to sue you into obliteration. (laughs) Right. Exactly. exactly. They, They shoot the messenger effectively. They do. And in effect, trying to shut down the story, which, of course, seems to me to be self-defeating. I mean, I was reading a commentary on this on Twitter in this past week. Someone was saying that, well, if the researchers don't tell you about it, 
you're going to find out about it when people start stealing money. And, and you know, it's much worse when the bad guys discover it rather than having the good guys point it out to you. And furthermore, if you take legal action against someone who's found a vulnerability in your site, there's the danger of the Streisand effect, isn't there? Of yes. journalists being much, much more interested well, in this Well, that's what I'm thinking. Of course. Of course yeah. they'll freak out. And actually, that just whets the appetite of any journal. If, you, if mm. someone calls them up with a tip saying, I brought this to their attention two months ago, and this is their response. So what's happened on this particular occasion? Who who has who's made this disastrous mistake of taking action against the person who's found the problem? Well, they interviewed several journalists about this, and one caught my eye. There was a gentleman who goes by the name Johnny Christmas, spelled with an X. Is that that's an X, right? You don't have yeah. a different way to pronounce that letter. No, X is a, X, X is, is X. All right, scrambled good, X good, sometimes, good, but good, yes, good. obviously. Uh, so he he's most famous for releasing the master key for the luggage locks used by the the TSA a few years ago. Yes, and uh, he discovered that his school ID system. Everyone had a, a university ID card, uh, basically had everyone's information, including their social security number, in the clear, on the card. <laughs> no. Yeah, anyone could have access to it. So what he did was he posted flyers around the school, you know, sort of bringing people's attention to this fact. The school noticed, verified it, and they severed the contract with the company who made the ID cards. Well, the company who made the ID cards was not happy about losing such a large client as right. university. But wouldn't admit their mistake. <laughs> no. So they, they sued Mr. Christmas oh. for, uh, for slander. For slander? For slander. So they settled out of court. But basically what happened was their legal team was bigger than his. And they just right. dragged it out until he yeah. ran out of money. Yeah. I guess his dad didn't have a lot of money, did he? <laughs> <laughs> Troll didn't get it. Father Christmas? No, I, sorry. I was I was just thinking of something I heard in a podcast recently that apparently in the States, 97% of you know claims or court cases end up in a plea where people basically plead guilty and then they're... Uh, yes. Well, yes. Criminal law. That's a whole other yeah. kettle of fish here in mm. the States. You know, um, yeah, we, we've got issues. So even though what he discovered was presumably verifiable... Yes. Um, they took action against him and there's some kind of settlements being made. And Right. And so the chilling effect is, that this article points out, that many of these researchers have decided rather than spending their time on vulnerabilities, they're looking into other things because it might not be worth it to discover something and be dragged into a long protracted legal argument, expensive legal argument, for just trying to do the right thing. Yeah. What some of these researchers are doing is simply, rather than informing the company, they're just posting it publicly anonymously. Yeah. Which is not responsible it's, disclosure. Exactly. Because mm. yes. So they're making it worse for themselves by not approaching this in a, what I would consider to be a sensible way. I also wonder, should there be some sort of cyber equivalent to a good Samaritan law? You know, a good Samaritan law is where, you know, if I have a heart attack on an airplane yes. and, uh, you know, an orthodontist tries to save my life because, you know, he had some medical training. He loved your teeth. Yeah, fails yeah. miserably, but uh, my family can't sue him for not being the right kind of doctor because he was just trying to be a good Samaritan. Yeah. And I wonder, do we need something similar to that that holds back companies' ability to go after people to sort of take advantage of the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act to hmm. just get people to shut up? Maybe we need something like that. So this ZDNet article has, 
I don't know how many people it spoke to, but uh, clearly there are some researchers out there who are worried about talking about vulnerabilities because of potential legal ramifications. It may force them underground. It may lead to irresponsible disclosure. I wonder if we'll see some of the people in future choosing to use pseudonyms. I mean, Johnny Christmas, for instance, he may, Mm. you know, that was silly of him to use his real name like that. Uh, (laughs) uh, If if it'd been Henry Halloween or Sydney Shrove Tuesday or something like that. Andy Arbor Day, yeah. Grow, what's your topic this week? Well, imagine if a gaggle of the world's leading technologists, legal eagles and brainiacs, were locked in a room and asked to come up with the most effective solution to prevent bad actors, like Russia or elsewhere, from purchasing election ads on social media. That's what I want to talk about today. So imagine all these smart people in the room and long, intense discussions over cold pizza and flat fizz pop. That's how I'm seeing it. And they're mopping their brows and they present you with the one word answer, the solution. And the solution is postcards. Now, I'm sure this is not how Facebook actually came up with this new plan to use postcards and the U.S. mail to curb election disinformation and meddling. But my question today is, can this actually work? We're using a kind of ancient communication method in order to solve a very new world problem. So last week, the day after the U.S. special counsel Robert Mueller unsealed an indictment accusing 13 Russians and three Russian companies of criminal interference in the Trump-Clinton election process, Facebook unveiled its plans to start using postcards via U.S. mail. So... (laughs) So they're they're going to fight the Russians with postcards. They're, yes, they're <laughs> going to fight it with paper cuts a go-go. Paper Not a letter a from Brezhnev, but a postcard from Mark Zuckerberg. That's right. Fantastic. One <laughs> postcard at a time. High tech. The point of these postcards is to verify the identities and the location of individuals who want to purchase U.S. election-related advertising on its site, on Facebook. After all, it's estimated that Russia's influence over the election via Facebook alone reached 126 million users, right? Now, the whole problem here is under American law, foreigners are forbidden from donating or contributing anything of value to any election, whether local, state, or federal. So the idea is that postcards can mitigate the risk that electoral ads are purchased from outside the U.S., from non-Americans. So Facebook's global director of policy programs, Katie Harbath, said, if you run an ad mentioning a candidate, we're going to mail you a postcard and you're going to have to use that code to prove who you are in the United States. Now, I imagine it's actually going to work the other way around. I bet you're going to have to do the code thing first before you run the ad. But I expect that's just semantics in this, you know, whatever. Yes. Harbath also admitted to Reuters that this is not going to solve everything. But she did say this is the most effective method the tech company could come up with to prevent Russians and other bad actors from purchasing ads while posing as someone else. But you see, I, I, how's this actually going to work, right? <laughs> this this whole idea of if you're going to run a political ad mentioning a candidate, you've got to sort of apply and they're going to send you a postcard and you're going to say, oh, yes, I, I, I have received your postcard and so I will enter your code. First of all, if someone receives that, then they could clearly just im it to boris uh you know from from well, he, right right hotel room. but more mm. than that how are facebook going to identify that you're running an ad which mentions a candidate because you could always refer to the orange guy right or big don with the long tie <laughs> we all or, know who we're talking about <laughs> yes, here killary hilton or you know you know it, it, it's not difficult yeah. is it yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah will anyone 
who wants to run an ad about their friend Hillary, for instance, <laughs> thinks, oh, no, it must be a political well, ad. I don't yeah. know how it's going to work. I want, yeah, I wonder if there's just a checkbox where someone has, if someone says this is an election-based ad, or if they just don't, if they omit to check that box, maybe they bypass this altogether. I don't know. It's- and how much of this is Facebook really trying to fix the problem? And how much of this is Facebook being able to say, well, we tried to fix the problem? Yes, 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 yes. That's yes, what yes, it sounds yes, like yes. to me. I mean, you know, there's tons, you know, what half the population don't actually have voting rights, but they actually live in the US. So, mm-hmm. you know, what's stopping them from getting the code and putting something up? Is that allowed? I guess it is because under the law, if you're not a US citizen, if you're outside or if you're foreign to the US, that's the problem. It doesn't matter, I guess, if you're underage or not allowed to vote. But post boxes are not difficult things to get here. Right. Can, and, uh, and there's automated services. There's right. exactly that. There's automated yes. services that will forward it to you anywhere in the world from your anonymous post well, you box. Just need a buddy. I mean, you just need a buddy, right? right? Just you like, have you have some of those, Graham? Well, <laughs> just like well, hypothetically. Russians, hypothetically <laughs> Just like these Russians who've been indicted apparently had a guy, you know, helping them steal identities and credit card information. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the Russians who were, according to this indictment, were spending (laughs) over a million dollars a month. Just going to go out on a limb here and say that they could probably find a way to get a mailbox or two (laughs) to be the place for these postcards to come. Call me crazy, but I think the Russian intelligence services could probably come up with a workaround here. I think we need to be more imaginative. This postcard system isn't going to work. What what else could we come up with? How about if you had to be photographed in front of a famous American monument and then Facebook's clever... Artificial intelligence, machine learning, facial recognition <laughs> yeah. could identify you're in front of the Statue of Liberty or mm. Dunkin' yeah. Donuts or mm-hmm. one of your other famous landmarks. Have mm-hmm. you heard of Photoshop? Or and, mm. <laughs> oh, 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 you know. I, I, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I find it depressing as well. I mean, you think about the guys and gals who built this incredible, gigantic, addictive, useful social monster, right? And it's this, you know, millions and millions upon millions you're using it. And even whilst numbers are dwindling, we're all reading that in the press. Right? They can't keep their services free from illegal interference. That's what a about, problem. Where do you all stand on the notion of verified IDs on these types of services? I mean, fa- Facebook tries to be real names, uh, yeah. to, you know, to varying degrees of success. Twitter doesn't care uh, who you are, uh, clearly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, if there was a system by which you had to provide some sort of ID to get your account, would, would that help? It's interesting. I, so I- I have a Facebook account which doesn't use my real name. For mm. a while, I was Zuck Muckerberg, but they <laughs> spotted that one and closed it down. But After I, I have a while. one. <laughs> I have another one now which isn't my real name, and um, it doesn't seem like this is a problem which is easy to fix. I think that we're we're trying to fix the problem really from the wrong end. I think maybe the legislators are looking at Facebook and saying, you need to get your act together. And it's like, how are we going to do this, guys? Maybe what we need to do is have more education of people to not fall for such silly scams, just like we used to protect them against hoaxes in the old days and warn them about that kind of nonsense. Well, it's interesting you say that because actually Facebook's VP of ads took to Twitter this week and published a seven-part tweet that trying to kind of reestablish some sort of authority over this whole Mm. situation of disinformation, Russian meddling, I imagine. Um, And, you know, it's quite a powerful seven-parter. However, the New York Times dismantled many of the arguments he made in this kind of fascinating fact-checking piece. So it's really worth a read, actually. So I've put both links in the show notes for you Mm. to check out. It's not fake news, is it, Carol? (laughs) 
Oh. You know what? These days, who can tell? Who can tell? I can't tell anymore. I can't tell anymore. I can't tell. And yeah, the Russians... Let's ask the Eshaw mouse. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Can I trust this or not? I'm sorry. <laughs> Where should I buy my can insurance? We trust? Who can we trust? This episode of Smashing Security is sponsored in part by Rapid7. Trusted by over 6,700 organizations globally, Rapid7 security solutions harness the critical information essential to protect an organization's best interest. Rapid7's Insight IDR has been named a visionary in Gartner's latest SIM Magic Quadrant. Insight IDR unifies SIM, UBA, and EDR, and is an intruder analytics solution that gives you the confidence to detect and investigate security incidents faster. You can download a 30-day trial by visiting rapid7.com forward slash Insight IDR. That's rapid7.com forward slash Insight IDR. And thanks once again to MetaCompliance for supporting this episode of Smashing Security. People are the key to minimizing your cybersecurity risk posture. You can save 10% as a Smashing Security listener off the high-quality cybersecurity e-learning catalog by going to metacompliance.com and quoting the code SMASHING. That's metacompliance.com. And don't forget the code SMASHING. On with the show. And welcome back. You join us at our favourite part of the show. We like to call it Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Everyone on the show chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, an app, a website, a podcast, whatever you like. It doesn't have to be security related. Could be. Necessarily. Could be. Could be security related. Kroll, hang on to your hat (laughs) because I think possibly for the first time ever, I have a security-related pick of the week. It's not the first time ever. Have I done done one before? (laughs) Yes, you have. But I can't yell this week because mine's security-related too. Okay. Okay. So my pick of the week deals with a particular problem associated with phishing. One of the tricks which fishers will use, they will try and fool you into thinking that you're clicking on a link to a well-known site like PayPal or Facebook or Netflix or whatever. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. And it even looks like that, right? It even looks like it. Even when you hover your little mousey over it, it looks like you really are going to paypal.com. But it isn't the real PayPal. Are you talking um, fishing here? Yeah, fishing, exactly. <laughs> Dastardly. So, <laughs> so what they're actually doing is they are using internationalized domain names. Because these days, with domain names, you've got all these other kooky, crazy countries which contribute in all these lunatic characters, ones with little tildes underneath, ones with little crosses. And these are called IDNs, internationalized domain names. In fact, you could, if you wanted, and if you've got enough money, buy a domain name, which is basically just an emoji, right? It's www.hamburger.com, and you have a little picture of a hamburger (laughs) if you really wanted to. It's bonkers, but that is possible. And some of these crazy characters actually look identical to normal English language characters or Western alphabet characters. And as a consequence, you think you're going to PayPal, but you're not. You're going to something else. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. So what is happening is the browsers are using something called Punicode to handle these domains. Punicode? Punicode. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? Puny as in weakling. I like And um, so what I'm recommending that people do is you should configure your browser to spot these identikit style URLs more easily and you'll know whether someone is using some puny code 
in a URL or not. And there's a great little browser extension. There's a few of them. I've tested out a few of them, but my favorite, and the one I'm going to recommend today, is called IDN Safe. Uh, IDN for Internationalized Domain Name and then Safe. And you can add that to your Chrome browser, your Firefox, your Opera. And mm. what it will do is when you try and go to a URL which contains one of these funny characters, it will block it. Because you happen to click on a link and you think you're totally going to PayPal, but you're actually going to PayPal. And it will <laughs> something and, exactly. one. And it, and it will pop up in a little red box in the corner and you'll say, oh, what's that doing there? And you can't get to the site. And it will give you the opportunity, should you wish to, to whitelist the site. But hopefully that will be enough of a safety net to prevent you from going into that link. Now, on modern versions of Chrome and uh, Opera as well, and I think possibly Edge as well, it will actually show the puny code in the browser bar, in the URL block at the top there. So you can see that it isn't the real paypal.com. You'll see some other characters up there instead of how it's, it's displayed. But with Firefox, you need to actually configure it to show the puny code. And I'm going to put a link mm -hmm. in to the show notes if people want to do that. That's very helpful. But really, my recommendation is you probably want to have a browser plugin like this, which will alert you. Now, particularly if you're English speaking, it's unlikely you're going to be going to very many internationalized domain names. And so this will be a great safety net. If you're not, even if you're Chinese or something, you're going to be really <laughs> irritated by this recommendation from me. And I'm sorry about that. Um, so either ignore me or you'll be whitelisting an awful lot of sites. But that is very nice. my pick of the week. IDN safe. Dave, what's your pick of the week? Well, I don't mean to wade back into this again and bring us back to where we were earlier, but my pick of the week is privacy.com, or as you would say... <laughs> privacy. Thank oh. you. Yeah, privacy.com. First of all, I have to wonder, what did it cost them to buy that domain name? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. Uh, so this basically allows you to create burner credit cards. Oh, yeah. So you, and there's all sorts of, uh, ways you can dial it in. So you can have a, a one-off credit card where if you're signing up to buy something and you're not sure if it's dodgy or, you know, a place yeah, where yeah, you're not yeah. planning on doing a lot of business over and over again, you can say, please generate a credit card number for me that will only be good for one use. And yeah. they will do that for you. You can also spin up credit card numbers that have limits over time. So if you had a subscription, let's say you wanted to put your, Netflix on a credit card number, you could say, you know, do not exceed $20 a month on this credit card. And it can dial that in as well. So uh, all kinds of different ways for you to be able to create one-off credit card numbers and protect yourself from having all your eggs in one credit card number basket online. So I imagine the way this works is you go to privacy.com. It's yeah. going to ask you for your legitimate credit card number. Well, there's no well, getting out of that, I imagine, right? Well, so. actually, that's when I was looking at this, I kept thinking to myself, what's the catch? What's the catch? That has to be because, it, first of all, it's free. They are using, they're taking a cut of the credit card transaction fee to make uh -huh. their money. Uh -huh. um, oh, that's yes, clever. yes. However, the one thing that gave me pause with these folks is that you do not give them your credit card number, you give them your bank account number. Oh, ouch. Yeah. Yeah. So now you could potentially have a bank account with a very small amount of money in it, you right? Could. You, you could. 
Dave was asking how they afforded the domain name privacy.com. Yeah, and I, I think, think we, we figured might... it out. I think we've just nailed it. <laughs> that's, right, that's right. So next, yeah, on uh, next week's show, privacy experts <laughs> recommend scam credit card. <laughs> Dave, Dave, have you used have you used this site? I have not, but I know people uh, who have. Okay. I was okay. hoping you would do it first. <laughs> Because when you first mentioned this, and I thought, oh, you have to, I, I imagined you'd have to give your credit card details to then create a sort of sub-credit card. Yes. I was thinking maybe you could use Recursion. Maybe you could use mm. one of their credit card numbers to create an account on their side, which could, and before you know it, you've ended up with a black hole. Yes. Just get sucked into the time-space oh. continuum. Yes. It would be fantastic. Yes. I love it. I love that idea. It's po- It's plausible. Okay, so, so they're taking a direct. Okay, and they're they're getting a cut. So, are you sure? Let, I just want to get this on the record. Do you recommend privacy dot com <laughs> to our listeners? I recommend people look into privacy dot com as a possibility for their to to do this sort of thing. I will tell Thank you, you before, very much. Yeah. Before no, I just want to get it to her. Yeah. yeah, this message provided by the CyberWire <laughs> legal team. Um, I, Smashing security does not endorse the recommendations right, exactly, of the yeah. CyberWire uh, legal team. Yeah, exactly. Um, before I recommended this, I did do some digging around and looked for yes. online reviews of the service, and it all seems to be on the up and up. So, uh, but of course, there is that old saying: if it is, if it seems to be good, too good to be true, then perhaps it is. But listeners, um, if you trust Dave's gut, go for it. Well, what, That's right. What I do can you feel say, lucky? What I can say is, I do definitely think it's a good idea, maybe, to have a separate credit card for online too. purchases right. with a low limit, rather than maybe the one you're using for regular household purchases. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you know, it, yeah, to just keep an eye, obviously, on your transactions. I mean, I like the idea of this. Yeah. Um, I, I, I haven't had any experience of it, and so we we look forward to the feedback from users <laughs> who. <laughs> Go try it out. From a service we have not endorsed in any way. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. This is Carol Terrio and Graham Clue. (laughs) We're we're so authoritative, aren't we? Carol, we really are. What's your pick of the week? Um, So, my dad, who occasionally listens to the show, Salut Pepas de l'Or, asked if we could cover more how to's in our picks of the week. Oh, okay. Okay, so this is one for you, dads. Um, So, this is how to remove a credit card from an iPhone completely. Oh, right? Yep. I know, I know. No, so so look, there's lots of people like to put their credit cards on their iPhones. There's lots of good reasons to do it. it. Helps you download apps, make in-app purchases. You know, you can do, you can perform NFC-based Apple payments. You can send money to friends via Apple Pay Cash. Lots of cool things. But you know, you may get your credit card stolen. Your card might expire. Your bank maybe report a problem. Whatever, and you may need to disconnect them you may have had all of your money stolen by (laughs) privacy.com exactly and you may want to get it off your phone again that wasn't us who said that that was our third party contributor (laughs) so i have put in the show notes a link to the um support apple.com official page as well as another page from iDownload blog to tell you all the step-by-step instructions well that sounds very helpful carol well done glad that we've got the ship uh, back on his correct course. <laughs> what do you mean by that, Mr. Cleary? No, I, th- I think we've done very well with our picks of the week this week, you and me, Carol. They've been all I very security we... related. <laughs> yes, it's, it's all been Let's quite... not do that again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's rather than us talking about Blake 7 or something like that. You know done... what, it's, it's Maria's fault. She did bring up Furbies last week, and I think we did want to have a bit of uh, authority. Yeah, we... 
The idea of that Furby in the organ was just horrendous, wasn't it? <laughs> well, that just about wraps it up for this week. Um, if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. Twitter doesn't let us have a G. On Facebook, we're at smashinsecurity.com slash Facebook. And we've got a store. We can buy some tatty merchandise as well at smashinsecurity.com slash store. Thank you to everyone who's done that. All that remains is to ask our guest Dave um, where people can find him online. Where's the best place to follow you? What do you want to plug as if where I Where can don't people know? yell at you? about privacy.com ah yeah <laughs> yes exactly it's uh it's gramcluley.com <laughs> funny um the cyberwire.com don't forget the the because someone else has cyberwire.com so the i know we couldn't we couldn't uh, we didn't have the kind of money that uh, privacy.com had to, to buy it outright from them so thecyberwire.com and you can find the podcast find our daily news brief all that good stuff great and all that remains is to thank you at home for tuning in if you like the show rate it on apple podcasts it really does help please you. rate us please <laughs> we've rate had us. we've had some very good reviews recently. we have i love them yes i love them and i except some someone called me potty mouth though Yes. Someone called me potty mouth in a review that everyone sees. You are a bit f-ing potty mouth, though, Carol. Let's be honest. I know, I know. I'm allowed. I'm your friend. How else am I supposed to put up with you? If you want to catch up on our past episodes, you can go to www.smashingsecurity.com as well, and for details on how to get in touch with us. Until next time, cheerio, bye bye, sayonara, guys. Dave, Dave. later. <laughs> Later, bro. That's D Dog. <laughs> you don't just have characters A to Z. You've got all those crazy, kooky other con- countries <laughs> contributing. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Excusez moi, monsieur. Have to be careful how you did that. <laughs>